Welcome to the A-Level Politics Show, episode eight. Is there a participation crisis? And before we get going on that, I just want to uh, give a notice. Um, Our series one topics have been taken off air temporarily. I'm trying to get this podcast uh, into Apple Podcasts because then it can be um, listened to far more widely. Um, but it's quite difficult to get your podcast into Apple Podcasts. They don't play nice. They have lots of technical um, things that they uh, pick up upon. And so um, just to, uh, in a bid to get um, this podcast into the Apple Podcasts app, um, I'm just taking off a few things uh, that they might uh, not be happy with, i.e. that they think these are old podcasts, test podcasts and things like that. Once we are in the app, I'll throw them all back on again because I know that there were a few things uh, that people liked about those old podcasts, perhaps better than the new ones. Um, You let me know, will you? Anyway, on with the show. Is there a participation crisis in the UK? Now, I did promise before the jingles uh, that we would start straight away with is there a participation crisis i have one more notice left uh, or one more warning it's an apology someone's doing their gardening today it's a beautiful august day um and you may well hear their lawnmower in the background apologies if you do um let's get started is there a participation crisis let's first start with a definition participation crisis refers to a lack of engagement by a significant number of citizens to relate to the political process, either by choosing not to vote or to join or become members of political parties or to offer themselves for public office. Now, what is my direction? Um, I think that you need to break this down a little bit into uh, traditional methods of participation, things like voting, joining a political party, protesting and strikes Um, and the conventional wisdom there is that these traditional methods are in decline that we have seen some form of a participation crisis I'm going to be arguing that's not necessarily correct actually we have seen uh, some resurgence uh, of some of those traditional methods of participation then the other side of participation is those Uh, sort of non-traditional methods of participation such as online activity and joining a pressure group demonstrating sorry my cat has just walked across my ipad his name's theodore i'm just going to start this again um yes so we have traditional methods of participation and we have non-traditional methods of participation um in terms of non-traditional methods of participation we're talking about online activity joining a pressure group um demonstrating um And arguably, um, there is not a participation crisis here, even if the quality of online participation and what constitutes meaningful participation is debatable. So my overall direction is that traditional methods of participation are not necessarily in decline. And there is really no participation crisis when we look at non-traditional methods of participation. So we got there in the end with our direction. After the jingles, uh, we'll look at specific types of participation and we'll analyse whether there is a crisis in them. And we're going to start with voting. See you after the jingles. Right, if you listen very carefully, you can actually hear my cat snoring. So 
along with a lawnmower and planes in the sky as well now, uh, plus my cat, we have um, some audio that is truly unique to the A-Level Politics show. Let's start then with voting. Um, there was a 69% turnout in the 2017 general election. The 31% of non-voters in that election represents a higher percentage than the votes received for all the parties, minus Labour and Conservative, combined. So if you add the Liberal Democrats, the Greens, UKIP, all of those up, uh, they, they collectively get fewer votes uh, than the number of non-voters, people who are eligible, eligible to vote but do not vote. That suggests that there is a, a, a crisis. Um, and voting is below the high levels of the 1970s, where typically uh, voting was about at least three quarters of the population uh, took part in a general election, 78.8% in 1974, according to my statistics. Many people feel their vote don't does not count uh, due to first past the post. So, by the way, I'm now going on to the explanations. And I think it's very important when you're writing about participation or any giving any kind of uh, statistic, um, and certainly in this particular essay, there's always statistics, same with voting behaviour, always then go on and give the reasons. So you're getting marks, not just for knowledge, but you're getting marks for um, analysis as well. Um, so... Many people don't vote because they feel their vote does not count due to the first-past-the-post electoral system. So people who live in safe seats cast wasted votes. We will be doing more about first-past-the-post in a subsequent podcast. As a representative democracy, it is vital that turnout is high so that the resulting government can claim to have a legitimate mandate to enact their policies in their manifesto. Um, and it is arguably the case that governments do not have as much legitimacy as they should have because turnout is typically below three quarters of the electorate. Turnout also tends to be even lower in other elections. We've so far just spoken about general elections. If we look at the 2012 police and crime commissioner elections, that had a record low turnout with an average of just 15% undermining the notion of elected and accountable police officials. Even in the new devolved institutions, which have different voting systems, turnout remains low. So we could argue that it's not just the electoral system uh, that is causing this low turnout. Um, is actually the fact that people just don't care about politics. These devolved bodies like the Scottish Parliament were supposed to bring democracy closer to the people and therefore activate people who felt shut out from the Westminster system. But if we look at the 2016 Scottish parliamentary elections, turnout was only 56%. However, and this is where my counter-arguments, my direction comes in, and I always suggest that your counter-arguments should be your view, should, be, should match the direction that you set out at the beginning of your essay, I set out that there was not really a participation crisis, and therefore here come my counter arguments. Turnout is steadily increasing in general elections. Low turnout does not necessarily result from a lack of political engagement either. Some people might not vote because they are content with the current government, so called apathy rather than apathy. Now, I think that's a bit of a stretch in these Brexit times. I'm not sure that people are happy with. Uh, any political party um, and because they're happy they do not vote but you could make the case perhaps 20 years ago 
um, that you know we, we had fairly stable economic um, conditions, um, and that the, the then Labour government was relatively popular. That in the two thousand and one election, because people thought they would also clearly win, that that people stayed at home. But that is a bit of a stretch. So I'm I'm, I'm giving the other side that one. Many others argue um, that the real crisis is perhaps to do with our electoral system. Um, and for politically active people living in safe seats, it could arguably make more sense to abstain and participate in other ways. So it's not that we've got a participation crisis, it's that we have an unfair electoral system. And actually, if you have fairer elections, um, you will see larger turnouts in general elections. Again, is that argument particularly strong, given that I've just given you statistics on the Scottish parliamentary elections that, that use different electoral systems, use more proportional systems? Um, what is important, though, is that non-voters still generally recognise the government's legitimacy, even if they believe um, the election and the main political parties to be uh, deeply flawed. They recognise that uh, the government won a free and fair election, even if they consider the rules to be imperfect and we don't necessarily have lots of civil unrest from non-voters so we can just uh, perhaps presume that non-voters uh, do accept the legitimacy of that government. Let's get on to perhaps a stronger argument. Um, I did mention um, at the beginning of these counter-arguments that turnout is actually increasing. 69% um, in 2017 represents a 3% increase uh, from uh, 2015 and we've actually seen gradual increases in our general election turnout uh, since 2001 when we had a low of 59% so it's gone up uh, quite considerably. Referendums, important referendums have also increased turnout if we're talking about elections and voting. Uh, referendums are part of that. The Scottish independence referendum saw 85% turnout and the EU referendum in 2016 uh, saw 72%. So why is that? Well, I think people engage when A, the stakes appear high, B, the result is close, and C, there is an underlining sense of grievance with the party in power or the political system, along with an alternative that appears to be radically different. And when you have those conditions, then you will see healthy participation. So we don't have a crisis. Um, we just have to have those conditions um, for healthy participation uh, to manifest itself. Turnout to the devolved body elections is perhaps only low because these elections are not seen as important to people as are general elections. That doesn't mean to say there's a crisis. It means these bodies aren't powerful enough to make decisions uh, that people feel uh, bothered about to uh, follow. So if we perhaps give more power to these devolved bodies, maybe Devo Max to Scotland um, that is... is is more or less there now. Um, if we give the London Mayor far more powers, we'd probably see better turnout. Um, youth turnout in the 2017 general election rose as well. We must um, take account of the fact that often when we're talking about participation crisis, we're talking about uh, young people who uh, don't vote in high uh, numbers compared to um, people who are older than them. Um, but youth turnout rose in the 2017 general election in part because of a clear alternative that they were given. Let's look at tuition fees. We had one major party saying they need to remain. We had the Labour Party offering that they'd be scrapped. And so perhaps young people will turn out um, if they feel 
that there is a party that represents their interests quite directly. So for all those reasons, we do not have our particip a participation crisis in voting. Next up, we're going to be talking about joining a political party. Now, there is some evidence to suggest that there is a participation crisis when we look at political party membership. Only around 1% of the population are members of a political party. There has been considerable partisan dealignment in recent decades, with fewer voters strongly identifying with a particular party, loyally supporting them from one election to another. And therefore, you have people refraining from joining political parties. Uh, we also have to question the quality of participating uh, when it comes to joining a political party. Um, the meetings in local Labour Party uh, CLPs uh, are often highly divisive and they put people off attending them. So you can join a political party, but that doesn't mean to say that you then go along to those meetings. And if you go along to one of those meetings, often, especially when it comes to the Labour Party recently, uh, where you have lots of people supporting Jeremy Corbyn on on the one hand and, and sort of the left wing of the party and then you have sort of more centrist moderate members on the other and they argue and bicker uh, with each other and they're often highly divisive meetings and they put people off attending. Um, however, um, there is evidence to suggest that there is not a crisis. Although uh, Corbyn's elevation to leader of Labour, uh, you know, may have caused real division, people leaving the party, Overall, um, his uh, impact uh, on membership has been colossal. Um, that party's membership has grown to over half a million members. So they have uh, lots of loyal uh, foot soldiers who gen do during general elections um, go and campaign in marginal constituencies. Um, and of course, we've seen the creation of, of new parties as well. Um, and we have to see what that will do. Um, to party membership. The Liberal Democrats have reported an increase in membership since the Brexit referendum. Um, so we have people who are actively engaged in politics, maybe because of the referendums, then going on and joining uh, political parties. Let's now look also at protests and strikes. Now, some people will say they're traditional forms of participation. I think they probably are. But the way that they are organised these days, often organised online, um, and so on. So it kind of transcends traditional and non-traditional forms of participation. Don't worry about what box you put it in. Um, where is there evidence to suggest there is a crisis? Well, trade union membership, uh, trade unions often are the ones associated with strikes. Um, that's fallen uh, to around six million uh, recently. Now, what are the reasons? Perhaps it's the gig economy, so-called gig economy, people working independently from home. Um, therefore not working in factories anymore, therefore not teaming up with their fellow workers, uh, disgruntled about shared working conditions. Um, so there's a changing nature of work. Um, there's also a failure of unions to deliver uh, as well, better working conditions. Um, there's also divisions within unions. People question their impact. So a good example are the uh, junior doctors who were on strike a few years ago uh, for better conditions. Um, they rejected a new contract that their own union leaders had negotiated with the government. Um, they rejected their own union uh, in doing so. Uh, therefore, it may well put off future junior doctors from joining that union. Um, strikes also cost individuals money. Um, you ask uh, 
maybe your teacher, how many hundreds of pounds they've lost in the last decade through going on strikes for better pay. Um, it's quite a lot. And um, therefore, strikes are not necessarily seen as the best avenue of protesting because you're costing your own members uh, a day's wage. Um, the Trade Union Act 2016 also made striking quite difficult. Um, it placed limits on the impact that unions have uh, requiring turnout thresholds. When you hold a ballot on whether to strike, you have to have a certain number of um, your members actually voting in the first place for any yes vote uh, to uh, be carried forward. So therefore, the consequence of all of this is that people are questioning whether joining a union is beneficial. And that therefore affects trade union membership. And that therefore affects um, what, uh, you know, what those unions can then do, what clout they then have uh, with the government. Sorry about the text that I received there, something about tennis. Um, it is the summer, folks. Um, however, there are, uh, there are snippets of, of, of evidence that suggest there is not a crisis when it comes to strikes and protests. Specific unions have very active members and carry an awful lot of influence. Um, the increasing ease with which it is, with which to join a march or demonstration due to social media has therefore increased awareness about those demonstrations and swelled their numbers. Um, and um, perhaps marches and demonstrations have replaced the strike as the main form of uh, direct action. We saw millions and millions of people joining the anti-Brexit march um, earlier in 2019. There were counter demonstrations as well, and they also received um, high numbers. So people are interested in demonstrating and they will do it. After the break, we're going to be talking about online consultation, joining a pressure group as well. So stay for that. So we're now going to move on to non-traditional methods of participation, those forms of participation that have emerged recently, usually um, coinciding with the growth of the internet. So online consultation, notably e-petitions. In 2017, 22% of the population said that they had completed an online consultation of some form on a political matter, and that was up from 15% in 2016, according to a recent survey. 38 Degrees, the e-petition website claims that almost 14 million people have signed an e-petition on their site concerning over 10,000 different campaigns ranging from stopping Trump's state visit to calling for a halt to knocking down a local cemetery. Um, my question is how engaged though are those people after signing those, uh, those petitions? There's a huge huge uh, participation in in terms of the number of people signing a petition but because it's so easy, is it too easy? Does it, does it actually lead to meaningful participation? And that is a, a question that perhaps is unanswered. So we we'll just park that for a moment and look at joining a pressure group, um, which is obviously different to online consultation. But again, joining a pressure group is easier than it has ever been. But just how involved are the people who join those pressure groups? Many people um, pay membership fees to a pressure group and do little else, primarily joining groups for the benefits that that membership offers. So a lot of people point to the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. You don't join that pressure group to 
you know, campaign. Often you join that press group maybe because you get a fancy booklet telling you all the different kinds of birds and where you can go and watch them. Um, so perhaps um, membership fees uh, or the number of members pressure groups have disguise the level of political activity that membership of those groups actually affords. Even if people uh, did wish to become actively involved in the groups they join, the power uh, in many pressure groups is often top down, controlled by unelected leaders rather than their members. Having said all that, my argument is that all politics is local. The more specific the cause, and the more relevant the issue is to a specific individual and their daily life, the greater the chance of active engagement. So if you get something rather abstract, like let's save our planet, you don't get perhaps so many active members. Now, Extinction Rebellion, anti-climate change group is perhaps challenging that view. But usually I would say that really active pressure groups come uh, are seen at the local level. So fair funding for schools is a pressure group that has been enormously effective at engaging teachers, head teachers and parents in campaigning against education cuts by standing outside school gates, handing out flyers, pointing out the specific cuts that their individual schools will face and how many teachers uh, that school will lose that year due to the government's budgets. And many people credit that, that campaign for A, uh, preventing the Conservatives getting a majority in the 2017 election because they lost a majority of 30 to 39-year-old uh, voters. So it wasn't just young people turning against the Tories, it was that, that age group that tends to have children who are starting school. Um, but also B, getting parents involved, getting people who would ordinarily not necessarily be that politically active, but who really cared about their local school. So when you have a local campaign, um, pressure groups can really, really get active members and therefore we can't say there is a participation crisis. So after the break, we'll come to our conclusion, shall we? So, the conclusion. Trust in politics after the expenses scandal clearly de declined. And the fact that Brexit has not happened at the time of recording, over three years after that referendum, has further diminished trust. Does that make people apathetic, though? Or does that make them angry enough to participate? So the idea that because people don't like politicians leads to a participation crisis, I think is highly debatable. I would argue that when people are angry, they actually participate. And there is a lot of anger in the political system right now. If there were to be an election, general election, 2019, 2020, I, I would put a bet on the turnout rising even further. Um, it's too simplistic to look at voting, though. Social media and the explosion of social media, WhatsApp, Instagram, the rest of it, that represents participation. Now, what of its quality? I think that that is a debate to be had. Referendums also appear to have ignited interest in politics. Although the Hansard Society findings suggest that this level of interest is not guaranteed to be permanent, my argument is that if the referendum issue is interesting to people, they will participate. Um, 
just because people don't participate in things they find boring doesn't mean to say there is a crisis it just means that that issue is boring um we can't expect everyone to enjoy the machinations of how a, how a bill becomes law or whether the house of lords should be elected um, but just because people aren't interested in those real nitty-gritty issues doesn't mean to say that they aren't interested in in causes that are close to their heart perhaps more local um, ongoing political crisis in my view is likely to further engage people in the political system there is a crisis in some forms of participation i think we could safely say that one percent of the population joining political parties does not suggest healthy participation but we can also say what's the point of joining a political party when you can participate in other ways and therefore is there really a participation crisis when we take all the different methods that people use to participate the extent to which there is a crisis depends perhaps on the value attached to different forms of participation. If you really value e-petitions, you will say there isn't a participation crisis. If you think perhaps they're a little bit throwaway, then you might question uh, whether they, that they constitute meaningful participation. Overall though, my overall argument is that we do not have a so-called crisis. There are methods of participation that are growing in importance. There are traditional methods of participation that are not as important as they once were but voting is not on the decline and I think that people's passion about politics uh, is actually increasing especially with Brexit and so on people might be fed up but they are interested they are engaged and I hope you have been with this podcast even though my cat has been snoring even though uh, there's been lawn mowing next door And even though um, I've had a text about tennis uh, that has interfered with this podcast, I hope you will forgive me and join us for the next episode. Until then, goodbye.